Welcome everyone to the Disco Posse Podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. My name is Eric Wright. If you're a first-time listener, of course, welcome aboard. Uh, you can find me online. I'm at Disco Posse. Uh, you can also find all of the previous show episodes and show notes and such at discopossepodcast.com. Uh, definitely something that if, you, if you're listening and, and you like what you hear, we've gone a long way. We are now nearing our, our 100th episode, which is pretty cool. Uh, amazed to see that it, that it's come this far. And part of it is people love the idea of like this dynamic conversations and great folks that I'm lucky enough to meet in the industry. Uh, with that, I've got somebody who uh, is going to own and operate a microphone better than I am. Uh, he's got an incredible background as, as an artist. He's a musician and also the founder of Helix Esports. We're going to talk a lot about this today. I'd like to, to welcome and we've got Jack Vanderveld, uh, who is, you know, Jack, if you want to introduce yourself, let us know where we can find you online and then let's dig into Helix and, and much more. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and, and congrats on almost a hundred episodes. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. I don't know. It's uh, it, there. Everybody I hear they like, I'm, I'm starting a podcast. I'm like, all right, see you at episode 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> The wheels come off the bus pretty right about 20 episodes. <laughs> you run out of things to say. That's, yeah, well, I, good for you for making it to 100. And thank you for that introduction. I need you to come with me everywhere I go and just introduce me like that. Um, but yeah, so my name is Jack Vanderveld. Um, I'm from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, uh, currently located in uh, New York City in New Jersey, um, where Helix Esports is. And I'll get that in a second. But um, yeah, so before this, I was and still am into music. Um, Funny enough, I, you probably know how this just works in life is like just when I kind of thought I was pivoting or trying something a bit different to almost kind of kill the time, my music numbers and all that stuff just kind of hike up saying, hey, where are you going? So um, it's kind of funny that I have to balance the two, but but growing up, my my whole thing has always been um, been music and video games. So it's I'm very lucky and it's fitting that my, my life right now is music and video games. Yeah, and it's this is the neat thing is uh, I always love the background of of people uh, and, and why they come to a particular industry. I I talk with a lot of startup founders here on the podcast, and just in general, I've I've been lucky enough to to be able to get involved in a really you know neat peer community and and hearing stories. And it's it's generally a lot of software startups. Uh, occasionally, you get into some kind of of of, of metal involved. Uh, actually, spoke with somebody who was the one of the most the fastest growing Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, he did the Roost Stand, so that's actually a few episodes ago. Uh, and and talking about you know actually physically building something. I am amazed. Uh, I, I saw this thing going. So again, full full disclosure, your brother, uh, Murphy, I work with Murphy at Turbonomic and, and he's a, a great human, somebody I'm proud to work with. And I, I was strolling through LinkedIn and happened to see this thing about Helix Esports. And I saw, I went over to Instagram and I saw, there's my man Murph's face in the Instagram feed. And then I realized this connection 
that that you uh, are his brother and you'd founded this incredible big you know this is a true brick and mortar startup not only that but just it's brick and mortar and hundreds of of machines there's so much care and feeding uh, like we could spend probably five hours just learning about how to set one of these things up as a business but if you don't mind let's share jack where what brought you to to be the founder of helix esports and, and how did it get rolling Absolutely. Yeah. So as you just mentioned, um, there's my brother who's Murphy Vanderbilt Jr. And there's a Murphy Vanderbilt Sr. Um, so that's where a lot of people can get confused sometimes, but that can also be quite funny. Um, so the just to kind of lay out the players ahead of time, like I said, my dad, uh, he's one of the co-founders. And then Murph, as you know, he's with you at Turbo. We kind of joked before he is, he is uh, a very busy guy over there. So whenever we can squeeze him in to bug him or ask him a question, uh, he helps us out. But um, so we're kind of a team that came up with this and uh it just really goes back to growing up um like video games i kind of said in the intro video games were just a huge part of my life and music video games and, and backyard sports and games and that was kind of our thing and my brother and i were always very competitive um so at a young age when we got our first like xbox uh, we only had one xbox and a lot of the games were still single player so like i remember we'd play like halo 3 and 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 just murph being older and bigger um and all of his friends would be on it and i wouldn't have it he'd be like i'm playing like you gotta get out of here and i'll never forget the day i was kicked out of what they called the the br gym um which was the gun back then in halo they used the, the br uh and uh that's where they did warm up for their competitive games and they were like all right we're going to play single mode like you're out of here jack so i got kicked out and i was so flustered and i was like all right i'm gonna get back on there one day um so my rebuttal was that was i think i convinced my parents to get like a used xbox and i plopped it down like right next to murph plugged in like an old tv i had stolen from like our guest room or something like that um <laughs> And like there was our there was our first kind of Helix uh, side by side gaming experience, um, and I kind of say that Joe obviously was not Helix, but uh, it was the first time Murph and I realized like one that how much fun it is to play video games with each other on separate consoles and separate setups, and two the community that we kind of built around it, not just online with his friends who were um, that like were across town, but also we had friends on sleepovers who'd bring over their, their Xbox. And again, we would, we always would have to scrum up a TV or it was especially during that time where like all the TVs were changing every year. So we had, everyone's getting a new TV here and then. So there's always an extra TV in the, in the weight room. Um, we dust it off and sit next to each other. And then there'd be nights where we'd have four or five, um, kind of X, uh, xboxes next to each other we'd all be playing call of duty modern warfare halo 3 um and that was the first time that we realized how much fun it is to to play next to each other and with each other in the same area um fast forward as you mentioned um with the, the music uh, and we can go into that later if you'd like um but i was i was on tour i was living in london um in, in california and in boston and the way i kept in touch with um murphy was we almost never texted or called but we talked every single day because what we were doing is we were getting on on overwatch or or call of duty whatever game and we would play for hours together um and it was what kind of kept us close and and also kept me in touch with my friends as i i, I had left school early so um it was always what ironically some people think is anti-social gaming it really became a a social thing for me and, and murph and my family um and then of course the time my dad into this i think uh, and my parents too my mom um of course is very supportive of this was this I, I think a lot of parents look at the gaming they're like oh get out of the basement get out of the basement and trust me my parents were like that for years but eventually i think they kind of saw the the swing where like, you know what like it, it is keeping them social 
keeping them somewhat out of trouble and we still found ways to get in trouble um but for the most yeah, part there's uh, always a way to get there's always a little free time to squeeze in a little trouble but. <laughs> absolutely yeah and like um, as i've alluded to my brother um he played um a sport in college so when he would be in season and they weren't going out he would play video games and that's how we would stay connected so there's all kinds of ways that i would uh that I would stay connected with my friends and family through that. And then um, of course, enter Murph senior, um, our dad who kind of saw that opportunity and saw what we were doing um, was, was kind of the adult in the room as we joke. Now that's a really, so this is the fun thing of, there's like three separate full hour podcasts we could have. I truly wish I had like Joe Rogan level length that I could, I could pull into all these different directions on. Cause you've got a lot of really cool stories that I, I want to dig in. And in fact, this won't be the only time I'm going to have you on because uh, the, the music story is uh, alone is very interesting. Cause I know there's a lot of interesting challenges. I'm a, I'm a musician myself. People always say like, you know, why didn't you go further in music? I said, because I wanted to eat uh, and, and it's a tough, commitment to do that and then take that and you are are doing your uh, an amazing musician I've, I've listened to your to your stuff uh, oh, thank and, you so much folks definitely whip over to your instagram and check it out i'll include links in the show notes as well so people should check it out download uh and and get your your stuff because it's it so that in itself you like you said you're doing parallel streams you've got you've got jack you know, musician career that you're rolling through. And then Helix, which is kind of neat because you've got family that can work with you on this thing. Now, this was a, a I can imagine there's a ton of planning because like I said, I can whip up a website. I can start a software business. I can go on Amazon. I can do whatever. There's all these different ways you can just jump in and become a business owner. But Helix Esports is isn't just a website it isn't just you know borrowing some some co-working space you you had to have a ton of planning and just leading up to that like this i how long was this process of of going from i've got an idea you know let's grab murph senior figure it out into actually what was the day that you opened the door yeah so uh yeah it's funny i didn't i make it sound like i just was playing in my basement with my brother and then we opened this the next day. Um, (laughs) Although sometimes it feels like that. Um, What really was for me was I just had the, um, like you talked about the music at the time between that and um, uh, my family was renovating um, this uh, property with a ballroom and a bar underneath it. And and this kind of this, the 6,000 square foot um, bar had all this empty space. And we had always been talking about this idea. And then one day on a walkthrough, um, we were all kind of looking at each other and originally we were going to provide like the infrastructure to, to do like pop-ups or say on a weekend, if you want to do a Halo tournament, want to do a Call of Duty tournament. Um, so that required like the internet and just the certain p- power and electric and different places to make it work if we wanted to roll something in. Um, and then as we looked into, well, what's that going to take? And what's the software behind that? And what's the cost behind this? And all of a sudden it just kind of rolled out. And we were like, you know what? We have this, we want to do it. We, we all, everything kind of lined up and we we're like, you know what? Let's just, let's, let's take a full swing at this and not just do it like a, pop up part-time thing let's let's go full-time into this so um then once we had that idea and a location down of course then we had to go get um then we did bring on some investors some outside investors and then it was all about getting the gear together getting the internet together and it was just that's when we hit the ground running um i don't want to talk it down over here it looks a little more complicated sometimes people walk in they see 100 computers but as as people can imagine it's it's 110 computers are all the same so it's it's not 
it, trust me, if I can set it up, it's not rocket science. And obviously there's some great teams behind it. We worked with the guys at GG Circuit, um, a company that runs all the software inside of these, a lot of major land centers. Um, their team was amazing and we work very closely with them now. Well, and, then, then, and that's the interesting thing. So let's talk about that industry. So it's, it, it's something that obviously has come to, uh, uh, sort of come to the fore, and I, I sorry, I say I say obviously just because I'm aware of it, and I, and so if I'm aware of it, and 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 I'm not personally a gamer, uh, but I've seen you know how this has become, literally this kind of rock star level of industry. You have esports teams that are sponsored, and 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 this is a whole industry and culture unto itself. Now, did this come from, like, did it come from other parts of the world where it grew up and then came over to North America? How, when did you discover that, what, what esports was as an actual culture and an industry? Um, I think we, this is probably a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. I think we discovered a lot more as we were doing the process, we weren't so much like, hey, let's go see what the rest of the world is thinking. Because especially in this area here and even in North America or America in general, um, land centers of this size are not, are not that common. Um, I, think we, we, I mean, I know we are the largest right now uh, per number of station. Um, there's other ones I think that are larger square feet wise, but we, we, were all, we wanted it more for our players and gamers to have as many stations as possible. So we have 110 computers uh, and then we fluctuate between 40 to 50 consoles and stuff like that. So we're, we are the largest in the, as of this podcast right now, uh, station wise. Um, and we, we saw in Korea and Southeast Asia, there's a huge presence of, of ones of this size, but in terms of America, there wasn't many like it. So we didn't really, turned to others to see how it was going. I think we just thought we just thought the idea was there and it's something we felt was needed. Um, we are, we're big believers here that gamers want to be social. Um, that's something we kind of founded this whole thing on that like, yeah, it's fun to play in your basement and, and with the lights out, but I think people really would rather be in a room, um, being in a, a center like this where the guy next to you is like, oh, you want to play hop and duos? I mean, there's so many duos and, and teams and squads and partnerships that have I've seen unfold by people just playing next to each other and they, they like the way they're doing something. So um, we just wanted a community space and, and growing up, uh, my brother and I didn't have something like this. So we just kind of, I guess, selfishly were like, Hey, we wish we had that when we were kids. So let's go build that for, for people now. Well, I tell you, and, and you've highlighted something, Jack, that is the story of every successful startup. And it, because it's, it begins with a founder fully believing in this vision of what they do. And what you've talked about is that you found that you can create a social environment through the, you know, on these gaming networks. And this is in fact how people do communicate. This is how they do collaborate. This is not, like you said, we, we talked about the idea that like, oh, get out of the basement. Like you're, you're being antisocial. Like, no, they're being social. If they went out, they'd go out with one friend. If they go online, They've got a dozen friends. They're lighting up Discord. They got Skype on a second, you know, phone. They've got all this stuff going on. And I've watched it in action with kids that are sort of, high, you know, early high school age right now. And, I, and it's amazing to me where I, I saw the value of like, don't, don't tamp it down. Like, let's just support that because that's, that's how they communicate. I'm, a, I'm old like dirt, right? So when, when my days, when I was in high school, we had a bunch of weirdos playing Dungeons and Dragons or stuff like that. And that was our social thing. You'd get around and, and, and that was that thing. So then those communities moved online. 
And now you have the ability to communicate not just with your local peer group online, you can physically get next to each other in a room or in, you know, an esports center now. And on top of that, you can communicate with folks that are in any time zone that are in different parts of the world. Uh, and so you find this really an incredible thing. So you said, hey, this works for me, works for me and Murph, works for people that we are friends with. Okay, I've solved a problem that I that I have. Now let's take that and, and scale it and make it a business. So that that's why I believe I love that you've told the story this way, whether you even intended to or not. The, the a best foundation is always find a problem, solve it, right? So if the problem, is there a place where you can go, you can do this at pretty cool scale? And I tell you, I, I quickly got a glimpse of the Netflix, there's a documentary called League of Legends, and it talks about the origins of, of that. And yeah, this is, it's a, it's a wild culture that, that's a part of this. So, and I'm excited uh, and, so let's talk about size, right? You you started your first one and there's there's more already in in the near future, right? Yes. So um, North Bergen, New Jersey, which is just like 10, 15 minutes outside of uh, New York City. Um, we all live in, or most of us here live in Manhattan. Um, it's that close that we just commute over. Uh, so we're in North Bergen, New Jersey was our first location and we opened January 1st of last year. That was kind of, we did like a soft opening then really January is when we kind of did our, our our heart opening. Uh, and then we just announced, um, sorry, I'm just trying to think of dates in my head, but I guess they don't really matter. Uh, last week we announced, uh, that we are going to do a, another a hundred, um, station land center in Foxborough, Massachusetts at Patriot place, which is, uh, the crafts property at Gillette stadium. Uh, and we'll be partnering with the crafts and the Boston uprising and the, uh, the Boston uprising are the, uh, the Boston overwatch team owned by the craft family. Yeah, that's that let me tell you about that that's there there in itself right this is this is a really wild organization that you've 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 already brought together some partnership with that's got to be a story unto itself i imagine about how you kind of got that rolling yeah well and that and that relationship for um not just us growing up in boston but like i know my family and me personally like obviously the crafts and the patriots are, are we've been fans as long as i can remember so the fact that we got to partner with them and, and the, I don't even have to speak on the brand that they've created over there um, and what the direction they're moving. in. so we're, we're very happy and it's, we can't wait to start working with them. Um, and, and that came about is just, they obviously have the uprising and, and they've been crushing it um, from, from that end, but we had kind of the, the different approach where we were more that that's like the top of the top like the uprising and, and the crafts and that that is as good as you get uh, and then we were coming from more of the community kind of grassroots um which is the guys who are walking in from down the street and the guys who want to be on the bus not the boston uprising who want to practice in those facilities um so our our visions all kind of lined up and they were doing things that we can't do and and i'm sure they can do what we're doing but they liked some of the things that we were doing uh so inevitably um we partnered at uh Patriot place. So inside of our, um, it's going to be 18,000 square feet. Um, there's going to be a massive training facility for the uprising. So you can come in, play overwatch as a kid. And if you admire these players, they'll be practicing on the other side of, uh, of the arena. So it's going to be pretty cool. And how's that for, <clears throat> that's why I love the, I talk about it truly as a culture and 
you know, if I, I'm in a lot of technology communities and, and before this, you know, I was, I was, a, you know, uh, I say I'm music, I hate even saying I'm a musician. I was a, you know, a hack musician, uh, but you know, it was funny, like being involved in that community of, of people. And then I, I'm a cyclist as well. So you get into that whole thing. And then I've got friends who are triathletes and that's a different community. And, and the fact that you can just go somewhere and jump in and train and be a part and watch these folks that are pros, like literally pro level stuff. And, and I think there's, there's not too many industries or, or cultures and, and communities that give you that level of access where, you know, it's, it's just wild that you can just jump in, you can see it. Uh, you know, I think it's almost like the next of World Series of folk, Poker was, uh, I think, about 10 years ago, it really kicked up. We saw what well, poker made it to a, a very mainstream uh, sport. It got a lot more TV time. And now I'm seeing this really big, huge wave of esports because it is capturing the, the culture of youth and people are, are using this as a way to, to connect uh, have fun. Uh, it's, I always joke, so this is one thing that, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. When people talk about the idea like, oh, you know, if you, if you play these games, it makes your coordination better and all this stuff. And it's better for your mind, better for your learning, all this stuff. And they said like, okay, great, cool. Love that idea. I believe that, you know, physicality is, you know, and, and, you know, the idea of connecting vision with, with motion and, and spatial understanding. That's cool. Obviously, that's going to help you with some learning. But the funny thing is the people that built these amazing games like Overwatch, et cetera, yeah, they grew up on like Ataris. They grew up on horrifying game systems. So I don't know that the next generation is going to be like wildly exponentially smarter, but just the proof is that it keeps them busy and they've made a business and a, and a community out of it. Yeah, and I think that's it's just another form of entertainment. And then just like a lot of entertainment, it can pivot into kind of several different um, ways to make a living. And, and one thing that we haven't touched on, and it's a massive um, part of what we're doing at Helix here and, and future Helix is, is uh, education. Um, and as much as, as you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously trying to be a musician and doing this now, a big believer in, in shooting for the stars. And that's when people come in through the doors and they say, I want to be the best Fortnite player in the world I'm I, I'm gonna say of course like like uh, that's what you should if that's what you want to do work for it try to of course go for that like I'm never gonna say don't go for that but I also it's it's good that people know just as I did when entering the music industry that like just there's also musicians there's also sound engineers there's producers there's managers there's agents promoters there's a whole level of esports um almost kind of like a uh, just, well, there's this whole industry wrapped around it too. And it's not like the supporting industry is probably bigger than, than any, you know, coaches. It's like Olympics, right? If you, the, the number of athletes at the Olympics is like, you know, let's just say 400, the number of people organizing the Olympics, probably like 20,000. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what we think. There's a huge uh, opportunity when we get kids in the center, we already have kids who come in now and they'll play in their Overwatch tournament for their high school league, but then they'll see the stream happening in the caster. Who's a, a local student at one of the colleges here. And they'll go up to them and be like, Hey, can I join you next time? And, or can I learn how to do the graphics or can I learn how to do the, um, the camera work? So there's a thousand different ways to, to, to come, come at the same way. If you want to be a professional baseball player, there's a, there's a hundred different ways you can end up in the back office manager um, analytics, there's casting, there's all kinds of in production. So that's how we look at it. And, and, and we grew up with a big sports background. Um, like my brother played 
college lacrosse. My dad played two sports in college. We're very competitive. Sports has always been a big part of this. And we'll never come out being like, oh, esports is sports. Um, but we think there's a lot <laughs> yeah. we think there's a lot of parallel. And that's why um that like the reason we capitalize the S in our, our name Helix Esports is because we want to emphasize that there is a competitive side to this. There is a, a different industries and paths you can go down um, similar to what people are used to in sports. And as long as people can, can adjust and kind of digest the differences between traditional sports and esports, there's no reason you can't love and do both. I think sometimes you like to see people who are like, oh, I can't, like, how could you ever watch somebody playing? Uh, I think I saw a great meme one time and it always cracks me up it, or even just a photo. It was like, I think a parent walking into the kid's room, he's like, how can you just watch someone like play Fortnite or whatever game all day? And then they go downstairs and turn on like watching an NBA game. Um, <laughs> exactly. And it's all, it's just, it's, it's all, it's all that. And as long as, as people are like living a healthy lifestyle and, 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 and doing it in moderation, I, I think it's, it's very similar to being into um, say basketball or football or playing guitar. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I, I think people, you know, anybody that looks at it and say, oh, it's a fad industry. And even I, like I talked about, you know, poker, you know, like even though it may not be on nine channels, you know, and, and get its own full 24 hour cable network or whatever, it doesn't mean that it's gone away. There's this incredible industry still rolling. It just may not be like front and center. Esports has been popular for quite some time and it's in a real, I think this amazing kind of like Gutenberg level revolution of being able to say that you can now do this at scale and, and they're really going to bring a lot of folks up into this, this community and this, this culture. And then what will happen is maybe in, in 10 years, it may have a different face to it. It may relax or, or the games will change. Uh, and it may not, I don't know, it's hard to tell it's going to go, but it doesn't need to be a 50 year you know, heyday, it can be, have an amazing 10 year run and you can do something amazing with it. And that will ultimately set up, like you said, learn about the business of it. So folks that are gaming, like you said, maybe they'll learn about camera, they'll learn about creative, they'll get into game design. And it's, it, it opens up the door to many other things, just the same as going to school. Like, so here it is, you're a musician, you're, you're a co-founder of an esports facility and, 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 and now multiple esports facilities. Let me tell you, did you go to school for music and co-founding esports? No, right? What, what was your actual background in school? Uh, so I did one, three semesters of college, basically one year of college and um, dropped out. So I went to Wellesley High School, graduate Wellesley High School. Um, I didn't really want to go to college. It was never, I just, I like to, I, I just like to learn in a different way. Um, and I have nothing wrong with people who go to, I mean, my brother graduated from Harvard. So the, 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 the opposites are kind of funny. My sister is at Villanova. She's smarter than all, both of us combined. Nice. Um, <laughs> so there's nothing wrong. I, I, I love, I love that. I just wasn't for me. So um, I went to a school called Belmont university in Nashville for one year. Um, Cause I just wanted to be in Nashville because of the music. And then uh, I had a bunch of friends. I had four friends at uh, Indiana university and I was ready to drop out and I was I think I was saying to my parents, I'm going to move to LA or New York city. I was definitely LA at the time. Now that I think back to it, um, my parents were like, all right, just give it one more try. Um, so I went to, I transferred to Indiana university, did a semester of political science. Um, and then while I was there, I met um, someone who had become like a manager mentor of mine. And I dropped out of uh, Indiana, moved to New York city, like I think three days later. Um, 
or as I got back from school and three days later, I was on a train in New York city to, to meet this guy. Uh, and then he introduced me to the producers and just helped me start networking. And, uh, that, that was kind of my journey there um, through New York City. I ended up moving, meeting some people in London and I went out to London for what I thought was going to be like a few weeks of a writing trip just to get some new songs and meet some new producers. Uh, and then um, ended up staying there for seven months, did a few tours uh, on, in, in the UK and on the West Coast uh, and then back to, back to Boston for a bit, waiting for that new project to come out. I had this downtime and that's where... Um, we all kind of band together and, and, and did Helix. So that's kind of a quick timeline of how this happened, but it's a very long way of saying I did not go to school. You know what? And, and really, I think that's, <clears throat> you made the conscious choice that look, formal schooling, n- not, not for me. And I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same camp with you. I, 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 I made a whole lot of excuses why I didn't go. Didn't want to, you know, take out loans, whatever, didn't have money to, to do it. I, I wasn't quite ready and really it's what it, it, I wasn't ready for it. I, I wasn't ready to take the commitment on, nor did I feel it. I immediately started, I, I started a landscaping business, you know, as a, as a teenager, I finished high school at 17. I was like, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to take a couple of years off, make some cash. Uh, and then I just got into a, a, a really wild run and then got into, into tech uh, again later on and, and sort of rode that wave up and have been doing that for, for a long time now. But that was it. Like I started going to school with a friend. And I said, when I, when I went to university, I literally just went to university. I never paid for university. I literally just went all the time and, and would go and, and take like behavioral psychology classes. And I, got, I really dug into that. And it's funny that as a musician, and, and I, I've met a lot of musicians, and there are people that they don't have traditional jobs. They obviously don't have traditional schedules. Some of the most well-read, uh, incredibly smart you know, understand history to be a writer, like a, a, a songwriter has somebody, it's usually they've got this, this sort of background of, of knowledge because you, you have a non-traditional thing. You listen to podcasts, you read books, you listen to books, et cetera. So I, I think the informal thing brings you to exactly where you needed to be. And truthfully, you know, 10 years past when you, when you would have graduated school, uh, does it really matter whether you went to Harvard or whether you went to Villanova or whether you went to nowhere? Uh, I, in my mind, your success will be defined by how hard you work and what you generate through that hard work. So, uh, you know, the fact that you can do this and I think you're proving it out, obviously. Now, time will tell, right? <laughs> well, yeah, no, but uh, it's another thing that I found with, with founders. And I say this, like you are, you are a founder, you found yourself, like being a musician is founding your own business. It's one of the most difficult because there's no co-founder. You're, <laughs> you, are, you are your own image. You're your own songwriter. Obviously, there's, there's other musicians that join you and, and, and are part of that. But uh, being the name on, on, on the CD, as well, that's old school, right? But I actually in- do have one CD out there, believe it or not. I, 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 I'm in my in my time. I have um, still never, had CDs in those days. Yes, right? one CD printed. I was at a uh, a show in London, and, a, and after I was leaving, and a, a woman came up to me, and she's she was really nice. I'm saying hi, and we were we were taking photos, and and she handed it me to um it's the 
first thing I've ever signed too. So that's why this is this is the funny part. It was a CD, and I literally was like, like, where did you? I haven't ever printed CDs. Where'd you get this? And she said she bought it off eBay, and I was like, I was like, who's who's selling my CDs? <laughs> Like, Probably your brother. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, exactly. And because uh, I, I, no one, I never thought anyone in the world would care about, let alone buying my music, but also having a CD. So that's the only CD I've ever had seen printed of my song. So um, sorry to interrupt you. I just thought that was kind of funny. So I do and know the CD. They're signed, so they, they, now do, it's going back on eBay. <laughs> I, do, I do know what a CD is. It's, uh, well, I tell you, that's the interesting thing of, you know, so digital gaming, digital music, you're you're living a digital lifestyle but there's a whole lot of physical work to go into these digital lifestyles like obviously you know the infrastructure to run a gaming center is incredible the amount of hardware and and other stuff you've got to get involved with in in doing your music it's it's funny people think that it's us it's it's a hundred percent digital now you can just do it on a macbook like well no no uh there's a guitar super classic right like it's you know still wooden metal uh yeah so that's it's it's really interesting that i find you'll get you know kind of a romantic love for the physical stuff that you do and you know as much as you're into gaming and you got the headset on your 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 nose down in in the in a you know backlit keyboard and three giant monitors but the result is like you're also the the physical setup that you built to make that happen is is probably feels pretty neat when you walk through that center like when it was finished what did it feel like walking through there the first time uh that's funny it, it was uh it was on i never forget the day because i had um we had we were we had a deadline and we wanted to hit it so we had i was in here all night a lot of us were in here all night um and i remember a friend of ours like coming by and saying hello just check it out and then i kind of gave him a tour and it was the first time i kind of really opened my eyes and be like wow this is pretty cool um and and it just it, it became real then that was like when all the computers were turned in plugged on um and the keyboards were lighting up and you see the the, the fans start going and the you start to hear the small hum of all the computers and you're like, all right, this is going to be pretty cool. And of course they probably all started sucking up dust and we had to start programming <laughs> yeah, them. But, right. but uh, no, for about five seconds, I was like, this is pretty cool. Uh, and then it was, it was kind of back to work. And um, cause we, we, there's, there's a kind of a double edged sword of like not having something like this around here is this of course cool because you're the only thing like this in the market for now. Um, but there's also bad cause you can't, can't turn to anybody i'm a big youtube guy i love going on youtube and learning things there's not much you can go on there and google hey what happens if my 110 person new jersey land center goes wrong there's nothing there's not a video on that yet but i'll make one on that <laughs> that's um, right well and actually that's an interesting thing did i uh, there was a great series on netflix god i can't remember the name of it and it was like five days to go or so whatever but it was it was a bunch of of businesses and things that were opening or launching or relaunching and it was counting down from like five days to go. It was like one was like the the big, uh, it was the the Lagerfeld show in Paris. Another one was a New York City restaurant that was was reopening. And it's amazing. Did you actually document any of the the build process and and opening day or anything? Yes. Yeah, so I actually like. Um... I filmed, I was going to say vlogged, but I'm not a vlogger uh, and I had not released it yet. And I, um, so I, I, I filmed every 
like all the shipments coming and the computers, the setups, a lot of time lapses because it is kind of fun to see all the peripherals and computers get stacked up and stuff like that. So I do have that. I've actually been working on that project. I just wanted to see how um, our timeline played out with the new announcements and, and some new partnerships uh, and then how I was going to break it up into videos. So I think in the next uh, few months, I'll, I'll be putting out um, – uh, a bunch of videos that show our progress because um, it's fun to see it's 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 cool to see i mean just time lapses in general are fun when you see a lot of things going up and down um and there's a lot of me pacing back and forth and a lot of trucks pulling up and down and just <laughs> things right. going but uh it'll you're be wearing uh, a hole in the concrete as you're walking back and forth going uh this is I, and, and where is everything <laughs> exactly in a lot in a lot of that um but uh we're still standing right as of as of 4 15 today we're still we're still up and running so um, I'm hoping we can keep that going. Yeah. So let me, what, what are the hours that you've got to, you've got to be there? Like how much are you involved in day-to-day -day operations right now? Um, I'm, I'm very, very, I'm here a lot, probably, uh, probably more than I, I should be. Uh, obviously with that uh, Patriot place coming up. Um, and if I say Patriot place, referring to the Foxborough Gillette, um, uh, location that we'll be opening in January. Um, day from, from, from the moment we, knocked the first wall down here to to i would say this summer it was like constant non-stop and that's when we were kind of I, like uh, uh, anybody who could be here all the time of course obviously you guys stole murphy from us um so we had to hire a lot of uh we uh, we have several full-time employees now we have a lot of great um part-time staff a lot of some high school or local kids around here um who are coming at the entry-level job um which is just awesome because it's nice a lot of our game actually let me think right now, current staff. Every single one of our staff members now um, that uh, came in from the local area was a gamer here. Would always be like, "Hey, are you guys hiring? You're hiring?" And we were like, oh, "No." Nice. And then eventually we have a spot open up. So um, that's kind of a fun story. Not even a fun story. It's it's how it should be because they're part of our community. They were a reason. They're the the kids. They're the reason why we opened. Um, and now the, I think one of them graduated the high school last year, and now he's working here this year. So. Very cool. um, I'm here a lot. Um, I'll be, I'll go, I'll be probably a lot more in um, Foxborough coming up um, and our staff's already, we've brought some of them up there and we're going to be, we're going to be playing a lot of Tetris with our staff. Cause it's um, there's not many, again, it's the double edged sword. It's good and bad. There's not many people who got to see this kind of grow into to what it is, which means we got to bring a lot of the same people um, to the new location. So we're hiring a lot of staff now, getting them acclimated here, and then we'll be bringing some of our some of our other people up for uh, the Foxborough setup. Well, that's an interesting thing about about the trust and in in both sides of your your life and your businesses. Uh, you being one business and 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 e and Helix being another, right? you have to you have to entrust a lot of operational stuff with other people how how comfortable are you and, and like how did you get comfortable with you know handing the reins to to people because especially as an artist as a songwriter you're like you really own from from start to finish especially when you're building contracts and you're like uh, -uh that says jack vanderbilt on that one i i own this right but then you have to talk about distribution and you've got an agent and you've got managers and you've got bookers. There's uh, how, absolutely. Yeah. How did that feel as you aged and, and sort of grew into these two industries? Um, in terms of Helix, uh, we were able to, like I would say a few months into being open, there was a, um, our, our director of operations is he's an absolute all-star. Um, 
so we trust him we trust him with a lot of work um and he obviously steps up and delivers every time um so he's an example of somebody that will come with us to different places uh we have another employee who oversees all of our education and uh, and school and college relationships um and again great person uh just been day one who can can do anything and all of our employees the thing that's really important and it, it's it's not even as, like we do it out of principle it's just the way a company like we're, we're very small i don't even call us really a company it's just people have started to say that and, and you say the startup i guess i just look at us as as a group of people here doing the same thing um is everyone's expected to do everything from being able to work the counter um to having of course this is our kind of our, our, our core team um, from working the counter to being able to take meetings if, if one of us is not here. Um, and it's also important to give people their own responsibility and jobs. Um, one, because we can only be in so many places now. Uh, and two, everybody's like they're, they're, some of our employees are just better at doing certain things than others. And, and same, with, same with me. So um, we're getting a lot better at kind of splitting up the work. Uh, and a lot of employees are stepping up because they're really excited about the future locations and, and where this is going. So that's, that's a huge plus. We've, we just have a great team is the quick way to sum that up. Uh, and in terms of the music, uh, it was funny. Early on, as you probably know, when you don't have any managers or booking agents or or um contracts it's like you're just i'm just flinging stuff out in line like TuneCore, which is just a really great but entry-level um music distributor and then like your first like small record label will approach you be like hey we want to release a remix of that song and you're like all right well how's it work and then you have to get the lawyers involved and like well they're going to take this percentage and x of this and if they use it in this kind of movie you can get blank it's like it's just funny how all that stuff works so um i'm I always joke with my family. I've learned so much. I've taken so much knowledge from what I've learned in one of these endeavors and brought it back over the other. And they're always crossing. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been a very, very fun journey. Um, and it's only been, a, it's been a, I mean, we've only been open a year, but the, obviously it started before then. Um, so I'm excited to see where it goes next and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can keep this ball rolling. And I say that we, I, we plan to keep the ball rolling, but no, that's it. It's, it, it's, <clears throat> but I like, you, I believe you've got the right approach of like, you know, you're, you're, you're gunning, you're, you're going to do what needs to get done. You've got a great team you're building around you. Uh, you also, you know, stay, stay humble, stay hungry, <clears throat> being able to, to recognize that, hey, you know, it's the, you don't know what you're facing around certain corners sometimes, and there's going to be a lot of work ahead. Uh, and I think that's, that's good in your staff and, and your team members are going to recognize and, and respect that. Uh, and, and that's it, right? you you've got this you've got this parallel stream at some point someone's going to be like okay jack you're gonna have to make a choice right do you you know do you give up on one thing but i i don't think that's the beauty of music is that unless you're looking to like go and just gig a hundred percent of the time you, you don't have to give up music you can take time off you can still record you can still get distribute obviously getting out and supporting that music it's a handful of of work you know um, not just a handful god it's a it's two arms and and a, and a bus full of work yeah but it's you can make these sacrifices now to set one thing that'll allow you to hopefully say okay we've got you know helix is operating you've got your your you get the patriot center rolling okay ah all right let's take a little while and and, and do some gigs and 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 make sure that i i stay fresh you know that's uh, so. What what do you do for downtime? Your your hobbies are your day job, probably the true. most the dream gig, right? People, but how do you separate that? Like, do you feel 
do you feel different because your hobbies are now literally a job? You, so you have to think of the business versus just like, I'm into gaming and I'm into music. Did, did a switch flick one day where you're like, whew, I got to think differently about just, you know, how I do these things. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I used to play a lot more video games. I don't really play much anymore because I get the enjoyment of of providing people an experience here when they're having fun. I mean, like outside on the other, I'm 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 one of our um our private rooms right now. But the other side, there's um I don't know if you can hear them. There's like 40 kids from one high school around here that are just playing Overwatch right now. Um, and I, I to me that's fun. So I've definitely had to kind of dial back the actual like 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 playing the video games, but obviously, and there's certain parts of the job you don't like doing. I think um, when I tell people I work in like esports, some people are like, Oh, that must be so fun. I'm like, it's obviously so much fun, but there are times where you're just like, it's, you're doing just the basic work that like yeah, nobody wants to do. You're not just sitting at a keyboard, you know, gaming like that's There's, there's a lot of, a lot of unfortunate, I call it. Uh, so I'm actually doing a series and, and, and I call it doing uncomfortable shit, which is the foundation of every startup is that you're going to have to learn to do stuff that you really just don't want to do, but it's got to get done. And that's, that's a tough thing to do as a founder, as a, as somebody who's running a team and, and being a part of it, there's going to be at some point, you know, I, I always tell people read uh, as a, a book It's called, uh, Oh goodness, great legacy uh, by James care. It's about the New Zealand all blacks. I'm going to write that down. Phenomenal book. And, and I kind of use so the, the, the culture of how they've built their team is incredible. It's, it's a must read for anybody. <clears throat> but what was neat is that uh, I, I use this phrase all the time myself. I call it any job that, I, that has to get done, you're never above or below it. And that means you got to close the, close the center at night. You got to sweep the floor sometimes, right? And the All Blacks use this, this thing when they would win a game and the the James Kerr was in there. He's interviewing people and kind of uh, sort of documenting their their team culture, and so here he is. And and the two top players for the team are sweeping out the locker room as the rest of the team is going to celebrate and have dinner. And he's like, well, "Wait a minute, this you you guys are the biggest scorers, and you know why are you doing this?" And they said, "Because." why how can i not do it it just didn't make sense to them that they wouldn't do it and so that that culture of never being above or below any job is is necessary to be a business owner and you know and do those things like i said you you know it from the music side you gotta sometimes you're lugging gear you know through these really crappy you know back alley entries into a new york club or a toronto club or or somewhere and you're like whew I shouldn't be parking my car here. <laughs> but. Yeah, that that's kind of that's that's so funny you said that because there are times where I'll pull up to like a show and I'm like, where did I park? They're like, you drove here. I'm like, 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 how did you expect me to get here? It's like, <laughs> I, I think sometimes uh, it's it's and and the nice thing about like what you just said is like again, I, I don't even call us like a startup or a company because those words just, I again I just it just kind of all has happened. Um, but like if they, if like if one of us doesn't do something like it's just not going to get done. And that's, that's a good thing because it just puts, it just, it's not even about accountability or getting things done. It's just like, if, if, if someone walks in and say, uh, one of our employees is helping somebody else out and, and one of our, our, one of our core group members who say is not been working the floor, like the, everyone's expected to hop in there and step up or something is, is dirty in the store that needs to be cleaned. Everyone's expected to get on that. Um, and that's, that's created a very, like, a, I guess, efficient, um, way of doing things around here 
Um, so yeah, I mean, no one is above doing anything. Um, no one likes really, no one likes to clean the floors and serve cup of noodles, but Hey, we got to do it. And it's part of the job. And I think everything else that we're doing is, um, people are really enjoying and having a lot of fun. As the, uh, the saying goes of finding Nemo fame, fish got to swim, sharks got to eat. <laughs> it's some stuff is necessary and some stuff is not friendly, uh, but it's got to get done. And now you've obviously you've, you're, you're, you're working towards getting, getting the next center open and, and getting everything fully rolling. Uh, you're heading into the winter season right now. We're, we're in, in November, uh, December timeframe. So you're, is there a seasonality to what you do? Because I'd be curious as to whether there's going to be an, uh, a big peak season. Is there uh, a gaming season? I, I'm, I'm 100% not even sure how this works on, on timing. Oh, no, there certainly is. Uh, we, we noticed like in the summer we're big. Um, we're in a very like foot high foot traffic area. So if it rains or it's cold or it's snowing, we very much feel it here. If it's like a hot summer day and our AC's like a main attraction like there'll be people just here because they want to hang out so um it's the foot traffic element definitely plays a big role into uh when we have a lot of people and the seasons do as well i mean summer was big for us um winter will be big it'll be it's all about it's just different like winter there might be more tournaments and more um organized events because people there's like people which want to be inside and it's, it's it's a lot more um there's more opportunity to organize people as opposed to the summer where kids are out of school and some are at camp, some are traveling. Um, it's a lot more kind of just what we call quick play here. When people just walk in, they pay by the hour and play. So yeah, we're definitely noticing um, there is kind of a seasonal effect, but uh, I don't think we've been opened long enough to, to declare it quite yet. Nice. Well, and I'm curious, are you, are you going to use, you know, kind of measuring those patterns and, and try and, build things towards that that timing is is that uh, an active part of of how you want to approach the business yeah i think we're definitely gonna identify when like because there are we do we have we kind of break our events we have weekly events we have monthly events um bi-monthly and then quarterly um so uh, yeah it will definitely all kind of base and the, an example of this is for example uh, we had we hosted um the Fortnite uh new york city had the Fortnite world cup and we hosted um hundreds of the players uh to practice here as their as their practice facility so they'd come in early and rent out the rooms and the stations and we had so many of them we were, we were getting so much foot traffic because of that and it was right when summer kind of kicked off or i got a little bit more a few weeks into it and we're like wow we're getting so much traffic because of this Fortnite world cup and then that came and went and then our traffic still kept going. We're like, Oh, this might be because of the weather. And then all of a sudden September came around and the schools were back in session, but it kept going. So, and then we'll have days like, I think it was a few days ago, we just had like a slow day and I, I, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm thinking of like school breaks and traveling. I'm like, what's going on? Like it was a random October day. It was just slow. And like, there's really no, um, there's no reason yet. And like I said, hopefully we're, 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 we're big in the data and we're looking, we're looking at all of our, um, kind of different, uh, through different lenses of like, well, what affected this, what affected that? And there's really no answer yet. So it will be fun to see in like two, three years from now, what, what is like, if there's a huge like consistency. Yeah. It's a, it's a neat thing, especially as you build towards advertising stuff. In fact, one of my recent podcasts was a, a fellow Vlad Edelman. He's, he started a company called targetable and their whole thing is, <clears throat> is using advertising, that's very, it was originally found around like solving network uh, effect for 
for goodness gracious for restaurants. And uh, the example that he used for the first big customer was our good old friend B Dubs. So Buffalo uh, Wild Wings, and being able to use like understanding personalization, localization, and then using Facebook and, and different ad platforms and being able to, to get, create very targeted, very specific, successful ads that mapped customer patterns. So that as you saw an increase or things like, you know, if you're at B-dubs and, you know, and, and the, the local team wins and they could run a, a happy hour special. So very, very neat thing of like using that data to derive things. But, you know, obviously that comes with, with time and, and human experience. And then you can start to build machine level stuff that can help to take that data in and turn it into business intelligence. So in fact, I'll probably, I should connect you up with that team because those, those folks are really neat. Uh, and, and it may be an interesting sort of pairing uh, with, as you build your customer flow, uh, you, you may find that it's a neat way to kind of extend and get into the ad world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, I mean, you mentioned obviously the restaurants earlier. We, I have found more than I thought. And I think uh, a lot of everyone here on the team would agree that like we're more like a restaurant than we ever thought we would be. Um, and it's less food. It's more about the organization and the, the kind of the, the, the flow and the ins and the outs and sitting people and sitting groups together and moving people in and out at certain times. So um, it's been a very interesting we're, we're definitely in the hospitality industry and I didn't, I, I guess you didn't really think of that. And then, but at the end of the day, we're, ent we're entertaining people. Yeah. Well, and you start to think of like, what is a customer to you, right? A, a customer is, you know, you measure, like we talk about like customer lifetime value and, and, and customer, you know, a customer seat duration. Like there's all these neat things about like how long is a single stay? Uh, you know, what's the average party size stuff like that. Like you said, that's hospitality based stuff but you find yourself doing cause like, you know, how long do they stay in game? How many times a month does somebody come on demand versus you sign up for memberships? It's, there's a whole lot of, of funky stuff around, you know, helping people have an experience. And, and, you know, again, I, I think it's gonna, it's playing out nicely because you've, you've learned as a, as a, as an artist to create an experience for an audience you're doing the same thing. It's just a different audience. So uh, I tell you, Jack, I'm, I'm, I've got a huge respect uh, and awe for what you and, and your family are doing and, and what the Helix team and you yourself are doing. Uh, I'm, I'm excited by what's ahead. We'll definitely, we'll, we'll get you back on again soon because I, I would love to see as things roll out. You know, give you a chance to talk more about the journey along the, the next phase. Uh, and of course, if you've ever got, you know, music that's getting ready to drop, you know, do let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll put that message out there as well. Um, so Jack, let's just reconnect, make sure folks know how they can find you if they want to connect with you online, find out about Helix, find out about your, your work uh, in music. And, and, and let's, you know, I want more people to find so they know Jack Vanderbilt is a, is a top name on the list. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute um, blast. I love I loved talking about this, as, as you can probably notice as I was, when I was rambling on. Uh, and in terms of finding me, um, Helix Esports USA in New Jersey and Foxborough. Uh, it's funny, I was going to say our old tag, but now that we have two locations, we're having different accounts. Um, HelixEsports.com is the best place to go. And then if you want to hear about Foxborough, we'll direct you there. If you want to hear about uh, Northburg, New Jersey, it's all there. Uh, and then also some of our partnerships and investments. Um, uh, 
yeah, I'd say partnerships is the best word for that. Um, that we'll be releasing soon will be on there as well. Uh, and then selfishly for the music, um, that is Jack Vandervelde. So on most major social medias, I'm Jack Vandervelde. And then on Spotify, where I do most of my, um, most of my streaming, uh, is just Jack Vandervelde as well. Excellent. Well, Jack, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure for folks that that want to want to find out more. Of course, we'll drop the the links in the in the show notes. Uh, keep uh, listening if you can. Anybody who's listening, do go to iTunes and subscribe. Uh, it's it's very helpful for us to be able to get a sense of you know we've got a growing listenership. It's it's always awesome. Drop in a rating if you can. If you like things, if you have ideas for shows, you can always reach out to me. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. It's at Disco Posse. My DMs are open. Uh, always open for ideas. You can drop a comment on on my website as well. Uh, oh, I am excited. So Jack, good luck. Helix is looking great. Uh, I love the sound of your music. Uh, I tell you, I wish you all the success and we'll talk again in the future. Thank you so much, Eric. You're listening to the Disco Palsy Podcast.